0: Come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. What is the Easter message? What's the Easter proclamation? We could come up with a number of answers to that question. Probably the most obvious is that Jesus Christ is truly risen risen from the grave bodily, that he came back from the dead, that he is the promised one, that all of the things that had been foretold in the scriptures were fulfilled in him, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. This is obviously an essential part of the message that the apostles went out to proclaim to the whole world, that Christ who was crucified is truly risen from the dead. But there's another essential aspect of the Easter proclamation that we might not always associate with Easter, and that's repentance. But it's right there in our readings today and many other places in the Acts of the Apostles. One of the things that the Apostles immediately told people was their need to repent. We heard it in our first reading today, repent Therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be wiped away." Just in one chapter earlier, in chapter 2 of the Acts of the Apostles, St. Peter's addressing a different crowd, and they ask him, What should we do? And his response is, Repent and be baptized. And Jesus himself, when he appears uh, to the eleven in the upper room, It says to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name. This is part of the Easter proclamation, not as something that's proclaimed for its own sake. I think sometimes we misunderstand the need for repentance and it gets kind of a negative attitude. But repentance is just a means to an end, but it's a necessary means. The end is to be reconciled with God, to have our sins forgiven, to receive the gift of eternal life. These are the things that we long for. These are the things that the Christian life is about. But without repentance, none of them are possible. Because without repentance, we cannot be forgiven. We cannot be reconciled. We cannot receive the gift of eternal life that the risen Christ hands out to all of us. And there's two essential aspects of repentance. One of them I think we're more familiar with. The other sometimes doesn't get as much attention. But we need both of them. The first aspect of repentance is the more obvious one, that we are sorry for our sins. It's more past-oriented, where we examine our conscience and we acknowledge that I've made these mistakes, that I've sinned against the Lord, and we, we try to be sorry for that, and we come before the Lord in confession, with contrition and sorrow, and we confess our sins. But there's another aspect of repentance that's essential, is that we have to be sincere in striving to sin no more. There's an aspect of repentance that is future-oriented. That once I've acknowledged and admitted to myself and admitted to God that I know that these things are sins, then we have to make a real effort to do the hard work of conversion, to turn away from sin, to amend our life. This is what it means to truly embrace this call because this is the path to freedom. You know, if we really want change in our life, if we really want our life to improve, if we really want to grow in our faith and in prayer and and in virtue, if we want to uh, get sin out of our life, we have to do something about it. I sometimes tell people, uh, if nothing changes, nothing will change. And I know that's very profound, uh, but it's true. If we don't change anything in our life, nothing is going to change. I think sometimes we have this kind of expectation that somehow things one day are just going to, you know, miraculously transform. And all of a sudden, everything's going to be better. And God can work miracles, but ordinarily it doesn't work that way. It works slowly and gradually over time with effort. And we have to do our part to implement real change and real conversion and real repentance in our life. Always guided by God's grace, always led by the Lord, because apart from Him we can do nothing. But He won't do it for us. He'll do it with us. We have to cooperate. We have to be engaged and involved. And so to conclude, I want to offer just a practical tip. Uh, to help you really embrace this call that we all have as Christians. There's none of us that are exempt from this call to repentance and conversion. And it's a a very traditional, very uh, tested uh, practice of many saints, many Christians called an examination of consciousness or an examination of conscience. And it's something that we would do if we want to adopt this spiritual practice uh, every day. But it only takes a few minutes. And it's best to be done in the evening, and just three to five minutes is all it takes, where we come before the Lord, and we ask Him to enlighten our conscience, to enlighten our awareness, and we look back upon our day, and we be honest with where we have failed. Where have I sinned this day? Where did I transgress the Lord in in thought, in word, or in deed? And that gives us an opportunity to repent, to pray an act of contrition, to tell the Lord that we're sorry. It helps us to know ourselves better, to take just a little bit of time to try to become more spiritually aware of where there is sin in our life, and then out of love for God, to repent of them. Another really important part of the examination of conscience as well is to think about the good things of the day as well, to give thanks to God, to praise Him. to to instill and to grow in a sense of gratitude, thanksgiving for the Lord's blessings. But also in the context of uh, striving for conversion, once we become more aware of the real sins that we're committing every day, Scripture says the just man falls seven times a day. Most of us fall more than that. To become more spiritually aware of where there is sin in our life. And then to do the second part, to look forward. Okay, what am I going to do about it? To come up with a plan. Maybe each morning we could just kind of uh, take one minute to review our examination. Okay, what do I need to work on today? What do I need to be aware of? What temptations might I face? What vices am I trying to get out of my life? What virtues am I trying to practice? The spiritual life has to be concrete and practical. We have to know what we're trying to do. And so come up with a plan. Keep it simple. Make it something that you can actually do and work humbly and slowly and gradually on getting sin out of your life and in growing in virtue. Again, always trusting in the Lord's grace and relying on Him. But this is some of the real work that we have to do if we want to truly repent, if we want to be converted, if we want to grow in the freedom that the risen Christ offers us freedom from sin, to live more fully from God. And this process of conversion and sincere repentance also then enables us to know the Lord. Not to know Him in a superficial way, not to know Him just in an intellectual or academic way, but to know Him personally. And this is something that our second reading speaks about and it offers a challenge to us. Listen again to these words of the Apostle John. Those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments, are liars, and the truth is not in them. We could rephrase that to maybe make it a little more explicit for us. Those who say, I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Christian, but do not keep his commandments, are liars and the truth is not in them. It's one thing to say that we're Christian or Catholic. It's another thing to live that claim in truth and in deed. And we do that by keeping his commandments. And all of us fall short of this at times, and all of us need to repent and experience conversion. But we have to have that sincere intention and desire to be a true disciple of the Lord which includes keeping His commandments, living our lives according to His will, trusting in His grace, trusting in His mercy to forgive us our sins, no matter how many times we need to be forgiven, and to offer us His grace so that we can experience real conversion, real growth in holiness and virtue. This is what Christ died to offer us, not just the forgiveness of sins, but a new life a new life of freedom, a new life in Him, to know Him, the only begotten Son of God, and the the gift that He offers us of eternal life. This is what we believe, this is what we proclaim this Easter season, that Christ is truly risen, that we can be free from our sins, that we can come into real communion with our Lord, that we can one day rise from the dead with Him to live forever in His kingdom.